0: Come to you live from my apartment, it's Rob Has a Podcast. And now, here's the guy who is ready to podcast the amazing race so hard, I just might chip a tooth on my microphone. I am Rob Cisternino. Here, yes, Rob Has a Podcast. Here we are, ready to talk about a two-hour block of amazing race about 11 minutes after the episode has ended. That's where we're not you know wasting time like these teams, Team Chomp, that are uh, dilly-dallying and can't even figure out how to open the easel. We've got a lot to do here tonight, so let's bring in our Crack Amazing Race team. First, a woman who uh, is uh, always on top of the Amazing Race musical cues, uh, Jessica Lee, Jessica, how are you? We're
1: being a little generous there where I was five minutes before we started recording i'm like racking my brain trying to make sure that i knew what the musical cue was and hoping mike would and it it was all it was all really rough let's (laughs) let's let's switch gears here and talk about who's ready to break wind yes of course i don't know if
0: he's ready to break wind but he knows the way to san tropez the great mike bloom
2: did tone Loke record that song right (laughs) uh i don't know i don't i don't have a lot of stock in my guess Yes. Okay. You're not invested in it. All right. So listen, I'm I'm all I'm all for this. This was the punniest, most euphemism-filled episode of the Amazing Race (laughs) ever. So I am here for it. I'm all in on season 30. Yeah. So
0: so much to talk about. Two hours of dad jokes. Two hours of dad jokes. We had two teams go home. We'll have double exit interviews coming up tomorrow, and of course, we would be remiss to not open up this show and say Mazel Tov. To Team Ocean Rescue, Jess.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm super happy for Team Beach Ocean. Uh, it was a <laughs> very tender moment interrupted by a commercial break. <gasps>
2: And then also interrupted by five other teams as well. <laughs>
0: How lame was that commercial break, Mike? I mean, it was so telegraphed from give me my headphones to close up on. the Oh, like what was the drama there? It's like, oh, is he going to do it? What, I mean, what is this? The Bachelor? We're waiting for the final rose. I mean, it was pretty obvious from the beginning of this episode, from the beginning of the second hour, I could have told you that he was going to propose.
2: Rob, I talked about this story on the preview podcast, but when I was there at the starting line, I, I, I spied Lucas and Brittany, and they were all smiles and holding hands, and for some reason, I yelled to them, like, your love is inspiring, <laughs> and I'd like to think, Rob, <laughs> that I might have incepted the idea wow. into Lucas's head to finally cross that threshold, you know, to really grab the bull by the ribbon and uh, and, and propose. Wow, you're like the podcasting cupid.
1: He definitely didn't have that ring with him until you said that. <laughs> yeah,
2: that's, well, that's why you know I heard they got on the second flight uh, out of the United States into Iceland, probably because Lucas had to stop at a Zales on the way to the airport to try to get something last minute.
0: <laughs> uh, maybe he went to Jared. Who knows? <laughs> uh, maybe he had to make a stop along the way. But yeah, it was a night where. Lucas and Brittany end up having their best leg of the race in the second hour after uh, narrowly avoiding elimination in the first hour. We say goodbye to Cedric and Sean, and really, it was more of a, you know, putting them out of their misery at this point, Jess.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that was it was really not a game designed for them
0: yeah they were so funny they seemed like great guys but the things had not been going well for a bit for
1: cedric and sean yeah the, the clock ran out for them yeah their race was
2: much like uh, a petite dinghy that was <laughs> just taking on too much water at once yeah
0: and again why they thought it was the best idea to put cedric in the boat uh, i don't know We'll talk about that. I mean, that Cedric, after such a harrowing week last week, you would think that they wouldn't want him to exert himself again. But they put him out there. They go home in the first hour. And then, uh, very sad, Mike, that Joey and Tim, Team Chomp, were they in the Bloom Five? Or they were just outside no, the they Bloom were not. Five.
2: The Bloom Five is still alive. Uh, we we nearly lost, you know, Team Well Strung, which I would say after you guys were sort of talking about, you know, how Purple Team Well Strung has been, I feel like they got a lot of bump tonight, uh, and not just the bumps on their <laughs> body signifying all the muscles that they have, uh, <laughs> to the point where I thought there was a good chance they were going to be going home in this second hour.
0: Yeah, Jess, uh, were you on the fence, or did you think that it was going to be Team Chomp all the way?
1: It really looked like Team Chomp from the moment they decided to do the other puzzle. And then we cut to Team Well Strung saying, we shouldn't touch that puzzle with a 10 foot pole. Mm-hmm. I was like, the writing was on the wall for Team Chomp at that point.
0: All right. Well, we've got a lot to talk
1: through. Two hours of
0: the amazing race. We had our second head to head of the season. So I feel like let's just go through all this in order so we don't lose anything. That's always the difficulty with doing a two hour episode of. Any of these shows and we started off on our way to San Tropez and uh, we got a lot tonight about uh, the first hour was really rough for our firefighters just uh, Eric and Daniel to the point where not only did they get lost a bunch of times they didn't know how to uh, make the car go into reverse and it was almost like that we were transported into a episode of Mr. Bean to watch <laughs> Eric and Daniel attempt to make the car do a three point turn.
1: Yeah, I think a particular highlight of this first hour had to be them using their feet to brace themselves against the wall (laughs) to push the car out of the way. That was gratifying.
2: Uh, yeah, I think my favorite part was when they did that pre-commercial. Again, like, not as dramatic as, what will Lucas want to ask Brittany? Uh, but that's really the pinnacle of, of dramatics. Uh, but, you know, when it's like, okay, uh, you know, Team Slam Dunk is lost. Team Ocean Rescue is lost. And, you know, Brittany gets the double door convenience store gas station doors of doom to punctuate the commercial break. And, I mean, I think they <laughs> made a Flintstones reference, actually. Like, one of the twins is pushing himself against a wall to just push the. <laughs> (laughs) this poor car out of reverse i feel horrible for whatever like people or company leased out these cars to these teams because i mean you have to imagine that car is just completely wrecked beyond all commission from when those firefighters were done with it
0: right just these are not the salad days of the ford endorsement deal they would never have shown a scene like that
1: I mean, we've seen teams in the past be pretty rough on their rental vehicles. Um, It's definitely the kind of thing you do with your rental vehicle out in the real world. You're kind of a little rougher with it than you are in your own vehicle. But this was a little egregious even for even for that. So the teams were on their way
0: driving to France. And of course, uh, you know, Jess thought that this is very romantic. And she was considering maybe when Cody and Jess set up shop and begin their lives out in the real world, Maybe they could uh, potentially move to France, but Cody wasn't having it for a specific reason.
2: Babe, let's move here. No, (laughs) okay, that was quick. Unless
0: they got the the
2: Constitution and uh, Bill of Rights and all that. Are we? Are we speculating a a Haley Ford Cody Nixon (laughs) mixtape coming out? (laughs)
0: Maybe just the interaction, though, between Jess and Cody about like, should we go to France? I feel like that uh, that really sums up most of their interactions that they have on the show where something happens and she's like, babe, look at this. And he's like, it's stupid.
2: Yeah, I, which is interesting because I feel like we didn't get that much out of Cody in the first few episodes. And I know I talked about this before the season, how I was wondering You know, a lot of people, and again, they're a polarizing team, but a lot of people really liked Cody's portrayal in Big Brother 19 for that very reason. And I was wondering if it would carry over to a show like The Amazing Race. And it turns out, at least from the way they're editing things now, it absolutely did. Between this and the uh, Lesbo Chateau that's coming up (laughs) later, a big night for Cody.
0: Big night for Cody. So, who wants to break wind, Jess? Uh, That's our roadblock here today. What did you think of having to have the
1: teams navigate a petite dinghy? It's not just a petite dinghy. It's an optimist dinghy. <laughs> an Optimus dinghy. I, I was waiting for it to turn into something and it didn't.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's not a transformer boat. Yeah, I think, I think Evan was hoping for that too at some point.
1: <laughs> turn into a dentist. Well, it, it turned into her face.
0: So the teams had to uh, take turns going out there on the boat. Uh, One partner was out there. We saw some of the first teams that were out there uh, struggling, including the always beloved hashtag read your clue for Alex and Connor after Alex missed an important word on the clue.
2: Normally when you read a sentence, you just summarize and you're right. But here, every single it and each and of makes a really big difference. Or both. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that's an important word, both on the clue.
1: I gotta say we were under we were underestimating Connor's potential for entertainment. I think the first couple episodes we were just speculating that he was kind of the dead weight of the team, and I think this episode in particular has proven that Connor has a lot to offer.
0: Just do you think that Connor is actually Phil's favorite, or do you think that Phil actually can't stand Connor?
1: It, it's really hard to tell. I feel like at this point. Every time Phil sees Connor on the mat, it's like Pavlovian. He has to say something mean to him.
2: (laughs) Yeah, that was so that was
1: so funny though, because I know that there were
2: you know I'm surprised we didn't get like a lot of pressure from people like Henry or Jess and Cody had showed up a little earlier. But I just love that for some reason you have this beautiful moment on the mat that Phil is calling so much attention to. I'm assuming holding up teams to like embellish the moment, then to say like, "Hey, Connor." Like, look at you, you single loser. You probably can't attain this. This
0: is what he says to Connor on the
2: mat. Connor, just take note here when you get married one day. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Pay attention, Connor. (laughs) (laughs)
2: i I do think in actuality i think it's because as you talk as jess just mentioned i think connor is so playful that i think phil sort of hooks into that and decides that that he wants to play back a little bit so i think he just has a willing sparring partner at this point they're coming at each other with trebuchets and medieval weapons
1: yeah but we don't get to see connor giving it back
2: no no not yet just wait until the finish line
1: He's going to take the entire race to come up with something clever to say back at Phil.
0: (laughs) Phil, the jerk store called. (laughs) They're running out of you. They're waiting for you to get married. So we had uh, the early teams uh, in the petite dinghy. But then we had three teams, Mike, who were struggling just to uh, find their way to uh, wherever the boats were. That was Eric and Daniel. That was Lucas and Brittany. And that was, of course, Cedric and Sean.
2: Yeah, uh, I mean, this is another self-driving leg. They even outlined this at the beginning. Uh, I mean, self-driving is a lot of fun for amazing race fans just because it doesn't come down to taxi luck. It really comes down to navigational skills. And while it may help some teams like uh, Alex and Connor are going to be talking about in the next leg, uh, they they very quickly... Fell out of it. I mean, I guess this is one of the reasons, again, why the head to head was sort of put in is that it's a bit of like a staggered equalizer where, you know, if uh, if it wasn't in place, who knows how far behind these three teams would have finished? Because I- I'm pretty sure once nearly all the teams were through with those dinghies, they were still, you know, trying to or at least two of them were still trying to figure out how to get to that beach.
0: And as the teams were working on their dinghies, uh, we saw the tension between Lucas and Brittany escalate. Uh, We know that the second hour would be much more of a storybook tale for them, Jess. But their fight was getting a little ugly in the first hour.
1: Yeah, the whole convenience store door closing (laughs) sobbing mess was really... Starting to make me feel like we have not been super high on Team Beach Ocean up to this point. Yeah. Um, But I was feeling like it might be it for them.
0: Jess, what happened to Brittany that a automatic door at the supermarket closed in her face? I don't understand the technology there. I thought that if you are on the mat, it does not close on you. I thought that's like a safety precaution.
1: If you stand in front of it long enough, it doesn't register that you're still there. (laughs) It's like have you ever watched
0: one of these bloopers from Star Trek Jess where the turbo <laughs> lift doors end up like closing yes. on somebody? That's what almost happened. very dangerous yes. I don't
2: know I, my my hunch is that there was a convenience store clerk monitoring the door and just was like, all right i'm I'm done with this like i don't I don't need these ugly Americans in my gas station click.
0: <laughs> yeah, Lucas really uh he couldn't even with Brittany anymore.
1: God. so annoying.
2: yeah. You're so yeah, I love Lu- Lucas's Napoleon Dynamite impression. Very timely.
0: <laughs> oh, will you marry me?
2: Such <laughs> a freaking Idiot, Brittany. Gosh. Yeah. So uh,
0: eventually they're going to figure everything out. And so uh, maybe because, Jess, they had a five hole task that we uh, were going to be able to blow through once they got there.
1: Are we really going to term this a five-hole, though? Like, there's no actual swimming involved. Yeah,
0: but they really seem to have the least difficulty with the boat out of any of the teams that did
1: it. I think Christy and Jen. Yeah, maybe Christy and Jen. Maybe Christy and Jen. Once they got the hang of it, they were... I was so impressed by that, especially given how much trouble everybody else had. I thought thought Christy really nailed it. Yeah. Christy, it seemed like
0: she had a tiny, like, stumble at the beginning, and then... They aced it, but I feel like that Lucas and Brittany were maybe the only team that they didn't show even like uh, a hiccup along the way, Mike.
2: Yeah, and I mean maybe it was for like the sake of time and just to show oh they they caught up and they were able to pass much like you know uh, we'll see uh, Alex and Connor doing in the next leg, but yeah, I mean Jen and Chrissy are so interesting because they're starting to almost fall into the, fall into this archetype of like. The team that can do no wrong. I mean, it's been five legs. They have yet to finish out of the top three. I don't want to jinx them too much, but outside of that one time, they were not able to talk to their cab driver once they uh, landed in Morocco last leg. is there? Has there been a time they've really slipped up
1: at all throughout their time on Amazing Race 30 so far? I don't think so. I think they really are starting to position themselves as the team to beat. Yeah, so far so good
0: for Christy and Jen. So we see the teams that they are uh, proceeding to go through the petite dinghy task and people are having uh, more problems than others. And Evan is really struggling in this task. She cannot get the hang of sailing the boat, Mike. And we end up with a sort of a scary moment where the sail swings around, hits her in the face and knocks out a piece of her tooth. Not since JT in Survivor Token Chains have we had a more exciting dental moment on one of these shows.
2: I mean, that's a very low bar to clear uh, (laughs) considering the comparison play. But does that mean that Phil was there? Hey, Evan,
0: I found your tooth. Don't eat it. Don't need it.
2: Yeah, exactly. If, if this if this was a head-to-head, do you think Phil would have kept the tooth and presented it to her if they made it to the finish line? Mm-hmm,
0: yeah, at the finale. And uh, a great shout-out to JT on Stephen Fishback's birthday. That, that was the one thing he told me he wanted. <laughs> he said, just make sure. He <laughs> said, Stephen, I'll get you anything. He says, just make sure you incorporate JT into all your conversations today. I said, no problem. Can do. Well,
2: I... I- I would say that, you know, I think Evan, she had a little bit of a stumble here, but I guess her her morale got lifted. Not only did she, you know, get her tooth fixed, but apparently she also got a septum piercing between the two legs, as as we (laughs) might see from these post-leg confessionals.
0: Jess, I didn't notice that before tonight. Did she just put
1: that in? Well, I think she probably has. um My understanding – uh I went to college with a lot of people that had extensive and interesting facial piercings. And my sense is that if you have that septum piercing, you can get a piece that's just like a spacer that goes in there that you can't really see. And if you're a nationally competitive debater, I'm going to guess that um large nose rings are not mm. generally something that gets you a lot of points. So she probably had her invisible filler in – on the days before this particular leg. And then she decided to punk it up and put her actual piercing in. I guess that's my theory on that. I don't think she got to go to the, to the very famous Saint Tropez combination (laughs) dentist and um, piercing. piercing.
2: Yeah.
0: Mike, was this a coincidence or was she inspired by the bullfighting task of who she wanted to recreate the look that so many of the bulls that you see in the arena have.
2: I mean, you would say that, but her post-like confessionals, even from the fourth leg before the bulls happened, she has that in. So maybe she had a little bit of like uh, some foresight or or maybe as one of their tasks during the pit stop, we don't know how long it was. Maybe they got to go see a French bullfight, fight and they, she said, all right, you know what? I'm going to be the bull this time around.
0: Jess, is it possible that the pole knocking her into the face gave her a sense of clairvoyance into what was to come in the next leg? <laughs>
1: I feel like we would have gotten a little bit more of that in the episode Mm -hmm. because it seems like a narrative thread they wouldn't want to drop.
2: (laughs) Yeah. That's so so
1: Evan. I love it.
2: (laughs) All
0: right. Let's talk about uh, Cedric in the boat. Mike, uh, how much did you enjoy watching uh, giant Cedric in a uh, petite dinghy?
2: It's like the Amazing (laughs) Race version of fat guy in a little coat. I absolutely (laughs) loved it from a visual perspective. (laughs)
0: Yeah, nobody thought this was going to go well. Even Cedric's partner, Sean, was having uh, very little confidence that this was going to work out. Uh, Sean is back on the sidelines, and I believe he's talking to Brittany at this point about whether or not that they're going to be able to do this. Uh, Brittany has some advice that maybe Sean just needs to believe in Cedric. I've seen big guys like that do it though. I'm too heavy. Fine, um, he's gotta do it. He can do it. Uh, okay. He can't. <laughs> <laughs> <Nope>. <laughs> he won't do it. Trust me, you can't do this.
2: you would argue argue that, like, okay, maybe this is Sean's task, but let's remember that Sean's first roadblock was the time that he could not get the the O's the correct way and also help the other team that was behind them. So neither one of these guys are good at roadblocks. Who knows? Sean would have, like, led the boat into the Rock of Gibraltar,
1: for all we know, if
2: he decided to take the dinghy.
0: I feel like Sean's a little more nimble, though, Jess. Maybe I feel like he could have, like, crouched down a little bit more in the boat.
1: Well, he's had like three fewer heart attacks. So there's that. <laughs>
0: that too. <laughs> Maybe Cedric likes sailing. Maybe he thought it was going to be like a nice excursion.
2: Yeah, he didn't, He needed, he got to lie prone. He didn't need to do any more running. Yeah.
1: Well, did he even know that that was what he was going to be doing when he saw the, the clue? I think all the clue said was who's ready to break wind. And Cedric's like, this I'll is in my it. wheelhouse. I got this. <laughs> I
0: got this. Yeah. And they were really coming off such a high of the speed bump of uh, put the boats in order from 1 to 15, Jess. They can count. <laughs> Good job, guys. Yeah. All right. So we start to see the teams uh, head to the detour. Uh, bread or
2: tread? Uh,
0: Mike, do you have any thoughts on either side of this detour? I have
2: some experience with uh, the bread side. Uh, I worked at a Le Pen Quotidien <laughs> for a while. And as as uh, that before as, after uh, Outback Steakhouse? After I've, those are that's my my two of two restaurant careers that I had. Luckily, I was able to tell the people that I worked with my last name because there was nothing on the menu, mm-hmm. uh, signature at Le Pan that dealt with my last name. But uh, as a result of working there, I had to I got to take a bread making class. So we got to go the full mile. We actually got to bake the baguettes and like make the slit and everything. Whereas these guys, all they need to do is just roll out fifty of them to the uh, to the chef's making. And I believe that the chef at least uh, one Twitter user told us tonight that the, the chef might look a little familiar yes why who is that <sighs> uh i believe it's the person that i'm speaking to oh it's me i'm the chef i mean i i, I could kind of see it right jess are you seeing it all the resemblance between was it the patisserie and rob
1: i i don't know i insofar as like scruffy dark-haired guys with oval-shaped heads uh all look the same <laughs> i guess i guess so he wasn't wearing any plaid so how would i know it was rob
0: right right Anytime somebody is wearing a plaid shirt on television, I get like a screen capture of, like, hey, this guy looks like you. It's like, really? (laughs) Okay. Uh,
2: I mean, and I should should also clarify uh, he's not the patisserie. I should use his proper term. He is the master baker. I just wanted to clarify that.
0: (laughs) Maybe that's why they were confused. So, Jess, did you have any thoughts on bread versus tread? I feel like that the roadblock was pretty exciting here, and I like the head-to-head, but I thought that the uh, detour overall, uh, neither side was that exciting.
1: Yeah, it wasn't terribly interesting. It was a very classic uh, choice between two tasks, each with their own pros and cons. You had the detail-oriented Finesse kind of task, and then you had the one that you could basically just knock out with your gross motor skills. And it seemed like they took about the same amount of time, which is nice because, as we're going to discuss later, not every detour is this balanced. So, Mike, we learned
0: something about Joey and Tim tonight, specifically about Joey, that really the secret to his success. <sighs> is that he drinks an obscene amount of water, which needs to come out of his body at all times. And we saw him, like, sweating profusely during the cobbling challenge.
2: I'm not a doctor, but I don't know if... The body says, nope, that's too much water. We're getting rid of that water. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm not entirely sure. I, I think Joey's just trying to compensate for the fact that he's just a very sweaty person in general.
0: But just all I could think about when they did the trebuchet challenge was they said, OK, Tim is going to work on the trebuchet and Joey is going to go into the stockade. I was like, I think that Joey is not really built for that. I think that he may need to get away at some point
1: i think they'd have to put a basin underneath of him he's drank way too much water to be in a stockade
2: i mean i think he could easily slip out though right he's probably the most slick out of all those people (laughs) so if you need a quick getaway he could do that
0: yeah and everybody else is like freezing and he's wearing shorts during all that uh i mean i think that there may be i don't understand the physiology of the competitive eater mike
2: they are uh, quite an enigma. And it, it's sad, you know, Tim talks about at the very end of this episode how he felt that there was a lot of unfinished business. And I guess there was unfinished business on our part in that we had the opportunity on many more legs of them just describing what competitive eating involves, physically speaking. <laughs> but I guess that's what exit interviews are for as well.
0: Yeah, we can spend some time on that, of course. Uh, in addition to my double exit interview, Mike Bloom will speak with uh, both eliminated teams over on Parade.com. So, all right, we are going to make our way into the head-to-head. And uh, we have Christy and Jen, who uh, really ran a great leg of the race, Jess. But they have to wait for Alex and Connor to show up. And uh, we sort of were scoffing at bocce ball from the previews, Jess. But I thought that this head-to-head was pretty fun.
1: Yeah, it wasn't bad. We, I mean, like... Like, I think, every head-to-head for the rest of our lives, and definitely like the previous head-to-head, we saw way too much of this.
2: (laughs) Though, I loved Phil's commentary now, because he went from, like, you know, zealous Tony Romo announcing a football game to, like, All right, Connor's approaching the green. He's making his throw right now. Like, very quiet and subdued. Maybe it's just because the plaza was not as uh, rambunctious as it was in Belgium. But I liked Phil's different approach to his commentary here. I
1: think Phil's just trying stuff.
0: You don't think that it's necessarily dependent on the activity, like the difference between uh, Jim Nance calling a football game versus Jim Nance calling the Masters, Mike? Uh,
2: I don't know who Jim Nance is, but uh, (laughs) yeah. He was in an
1: episode of How I Met Your Mother. Oh, okay.
2: I I just knew that Tony Romo was on and he said funny things.
1: (laughs) Yeah.
0: So I thought if I could give one note on uh, this head-to-head, for me – It was a little confusing. I know they referred to the teams as black and white, but to my naked eye, it looked like the teams were dark silver and light silver, Jess.
1: Yeah, that was a little confusing, too. They they should have just called them dark and light, Mm -hmm. but... Or red and blue or
0: two different colors. I mean, I think that, you know, Survivor for years has managed to come up with two different colors for the teams and we're able to tell them apart. We've never had uh, pewter versus silver, Mike.
2: Yes, you're really uh, it is literal shades of gray in that case. (laughs) Yeah. And that's before we even get people into the stockade. Yeah. And the safe words come out.
1: (laughs) I mean, I think I liked a lot about uh, Amazing Race Canada was They would occasionally – one of their face-offs that they did, and I think head-to-head is stupid, so I'm just going to call it a face-off. Okay. Um, But they had one where they all had to bowl, and everybody got bowling shirts, and each team had, like, a color-coordinated bowling shirt ensemble. And I really think that they missed an opportunity to give everybody their own patank set with (sighs) their own, like, team color. How do you pronounce the game, Jess? Patank? Yeah, patank. It's – I am not I don't have French speaker, but yes.
0: Patank. So a triumphant first hour for Alex and Connor. Uh this is their uh first first place finish, right, Mike?
2: Yep, uh, they have, you know, finished. They've, they've been pretty good, again, except for the next leg. You know, they, they haven't finished below the top five, but they finished second the leg bef- before, and now they finally claim this first place victory and twice the amount of money that Jess and Cody got during the first head-to-head <laughs> in Belgium. They get 5K each now. Yeah. All right, so Christy
0: and Jen we're going to then have to take on Jess and Cody in round number two. And Jess has a a fantastic shot where she ends up really just like uh, right next to the rubber ball and they move into second place. And it's looking like, oh, no, Jessica, it's a Henry and Evan situation all over again. Here's Christy and Jen in a free fall.
1: I was not worried about Christy and Jen at this point because I looked at the rest of the playing field and I thought, Yeah, there's no way they're going to free fall. And
0: then they just ultimately ended up like they showed like one second of the next match. I, I feel like that unless something amazing happens, if the team that is supposed to win, like the team, the higher ranked team wins, I feel like they don't show us very much from these head to heads. Only when a team that is in a lower initial placement comes in and upsets a team, Mike.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's the Cinderella story, right? They really want to go for those high ratings over the course of the, the head-to-head matches. But I totally agree with Jess. Once the thought of Joey Chestnut and his sweaty mitts getting all over <laughs> those balls came into mind, I knew that Christian and Jen would be good for at least this leg. Yeah.
0: All right. So uh, we then see a bunch more head-to-head battles. Uh, we see Tim and Joey then go on to beat... Trevor and Chris, uh, they are ending up in fourth place. Uh, I guess just the high point of the race for Tim and Joey in the first hour.
1: Yeah, that was that was a pretty that was pretty great um, showing from them. And I was not expecting them to beat Well Strong, who on paper seemed like the more capable team. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, this first half was it, was, it went okay for them. Yeah. Like, it went down easy.
0: Well, actually, you would think that maybe they were going to be okay with, at it, but was it Trevor who was really terrible at it, Mike?
2: Yeah, and they said he was the Jackie of all trades, so I'm not sure what happened. Yeah.
0: yeah the, uh, can I play that clip about the uh, Jackie of all trades? Because I'm uh, a little confused. Jackie of all trades. <laughs> this are gay. gay. He's gay. Yes, I was obsessed with Martha Stewart. Mike, what is that, like a Borat voice that they're doing there? That, uh, my
2: wife i i don't know i don't know if i'd go that far i think they were just they go for a lot of like super text instead of subtext between uh you know this moment and what i loved in the roadblock of them like sort of shading the other teams giving positive encouragement by literally just saying like words of encouragement endearing comments to each other as teammates i think that's what i'm starting to really love about team Wellstrung is that they are super super snarky and especially here when they're like we get it you're gay
0: (laughs) who are they saying that to
2: the I don't each uh, other slash the audience.
0: audience. <laughs> <laughs> Were we saying that? I
1: I wasn't saying it. <laughs> I wasn't saying that. We've done four podcasts. We never said that. Also, I don't know that um I don't know that three straight people are gonna do a great job parsing all of their lingo.
0: Well, uh Team Well Strung, they ultimately end up beating Team Ocean Rescue in head to head number five. So that sends uh Ocean Rescue to then uh take on Henry and Evan, and luckily Henry and Evan are able to win on their first head-to-head. Mike, I do think that Henry and Evan might have gone into a tailspin had they lost a head-to-head here.
2: Yeah, uh, their their game would have come up a little toothless by the end of it in more <laughs> ways than one. Uh, I, I mean, they definitely were talking about some PTSD considering how far they fell. But I, that is another thing that I enjoyed, at least about this iteration of the head-to-head, is I feel like with the exception of Henry and Evan, it pretty much felt like, as you were saying with the the Fritz race, like if a team lost, they're going to beat the next team uh, that came around the next time. But there was some shuffling around a little bit, like what happens with Ocean Rescue here. I still am not a fan of putting it right at the end of the leg, personally speaking. But this one, at least maybe it's because it was less of a physically arduous task, but it at least equalized things a bit where there was a bit more jumping around in terms of placements than the previous iteration. All
0: right, so just then Ocean Rescue would take on Eric and Daniel... And they who they've really benefited from the head to head, Eric and Daniel, because I think that what they would have been last uh, the last time that they did the head to head. Right.
1: Yeah, I think I think so. I I think that's definitely fair to say they have. I I wouldn't say they've been saved a second time, but they were definitely saved that first time. And I think I think Brittany in particular was thrown off her game because she witnessed how badly Henry and Evan blew the first head-to-head and then to immediately get beaten by Henry and Evan on the second head-to-head. I think that might have been the thing that had Brittany so shook.
0: Right. Um I think maybe it was more that door that closed in her face and then maybe she was already just uh shook from that, but... Uh, who knows? Who's to say? It was a rough leg for Britney. It was a rough leg. Things were darkest before the dawn for Lucas and Brittany in this two-hour episode tonight. So, finally, we then see in the climactic battle, Mike, Team Beach <laughs> Ocean versus Team NBA. And, uh, you know, this was not a basketball game.
2: No, uh, even though Phil tried to say that Cedric was shooting from the free throw line, Mm -hmm. which, again, I'm not the basketball expert, but I'm pretty sure the distance is not equal.
0: No,
1: not the equal distance. And I don't think you get any warm-ups, Jess. I I don't think you do either. I think Phil must spend a lot of those... Off hours when they're on the plane and stuff. He's got this book of like NBA terms and he flips through and he's like, okay, what can I, what can I fit in here? Like, how can I phrase this? What can I set up for the next time Cedric and Sean show up on the mat? What am I going to say here? And I think. He might be a little relieved that he doesn't have to do that anymore. He doesn't
0: have to come up with any more basketball puns because Cedric and Sean are gone. Jess, eulogy for Cedric and Sean?
1: Um, They seemed like great guys that were having a lot of fun, but I think, and Cedric said this himself, I think they grossly underestimated what they were going to need to have in terms of skill set and energy level. In order to really succeed on the race. Um, and it surprises me coming from professional athletes that they wouldn't know that they need to put it all out there, but they really seemed to n- be very underprepared.
0: Mike, Cedric seemed to say a couple times that he was a, a huge super fan of the show and uh, had said that he had watched 29 seasons of Amazing Race.
2: Yeah, that was a little surprising to me. I guess because we were sort of taking this as sort of a pseudo, quote-unquote, celebrity season a bit. We were saying, oh, these people haven't really seen The Amazing Race, but he's going to talk about it. Connor talks about watching it since he was a kid. So maybe The Amazing Race is is part of uh, inherently more households than we initially realized.
0: Jess, I'm actually surprised that Joey and Tim haven't talked more about what they've seen. You would think that they would be able to binge uh, a huge amount of The Amazing Race (sighs) in a very short amount of time.
1: Yeah, well, it, it's hard to choke down large amounts of anything in a short period of time. Um, I and I think of everybody there. I think I think Joey and Tim had only had a taste of this.
0: Yeah, Mike, I feel like that that is a good spot for you. Have you thought about getting into a uh, competitive season binging?
2: Oh, that's a. I mean, I'm actually not really a binger by sport, but you know what? I'll I'll try to stretch. Uh, I guess, you know, competitive or stretch their stomach. I don't know what competitive season watchers would stretch their eyeballs. Maybe <laughs> try to, try to make sure I blink less. Uh, but I mean, if, if it's a trade off, though, I don't want to be sweating like a hog, uh, much like I'm assuming any competitive something would be doing a la Joey Chestnut. Okay. All
0: right. So uh, let's move into our second hour of the amazing race tonight. And, uh, the teams had to drive, uh, somewhere else through the night. I'll let Cody tell us where the teams were headed. So we're heading on to the
1: Les Beaux Chateau.
2: You just called it a Les Beaux Chateau. I don't know if that's how you say it.
0: It's like Les Beaux or Les Box? Nope. I don't think so. I don't think (laughs)
2: so. I don't think that's what it's. Called. I think Les Box might be worse than Le- after saying Lesbo. <laughs> I don't think
0: that's right. I don't think that you have that right, Cody. I don't think so. Uh, Johnny D. Silvera had a uh, great tweet about this. He ended up tweeting to us, Jessica. What's a hymen, Cody? Hold my beer. Dot dot dot.
2: <laughs> so. They're really made for each other. <laughs> yeah. Yes, so
0: Jess, I'm actually surprised by this because Cody uh, traditionally has always been uh, very conscious of being uh, respectful to all people and being politically correct.
1: Yeah, I know. I he's such a he's such a force for progressive goodness in the world. <laughs> yeah. um That I I was surprised, surprised that he would he make would a mistake just, like that, Mike. Yeah, just bust something out insensitively. I don't know.
2: To be fair, the pronunciation of this place is not in the Constitution, so I can't fault them too much.
0: (laughs) So the teams are headed out, they drive through the night, and they have to go somewhere where it does not open until 8.30, people are sleeping on the street. And then, Jess, we are basically on the set of some battle from Game of Thrones.
1: Yeah, or it actually looked less like a battle from Game of Thrones and, like, more like a battle from one of those, like, basic cable knockoffs (laughs) of Game of Thrones that all lasted one season. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Or, like, the B-roll from an episode of Vikings where you don't use those extras, but you get footage of them just in case. Yeah,
1: it was—everybody was way too clean. Mike, how impressed
0: were you, though, with the special effects budget that was poured into this episode to make those exploding cannonballs? Uh, Mike, uh, were those Ben bombs that were uh, shot off in this episode?
2: Considering the smoke that was coming off of them, I certainly hope not. Uh but I mean, not since Punkin Chunkin have I seen such a great use of a trebuchet on a TV show.
0: Yeah, Jess, were you hoping that they were going to have to launch something and then we might have some sort of a watermelon incident?
1: Yeah, I mean that's always the hope. If you're gonna be building a thing to throw things, you gotta be able to throw the thing.
0: Yeah. No, they didn't and have to I throw think anything. We've-
1: I think we've seen, like, I, I believe we've had challenges like that in the past where they've had a catapult or a trebuchet and they've had to try to hit the target. And it turns out to be incredibly difficult.
0: So, all right, the teams had to pick one team member that was going to build the trebuchet and one team member that had to go into the stockades. Mike, I love that they put somebody in the stockade.
2: Yeah, there's, there was actually a task that was very similar to this on um, the most recent season of Amazing Race Canada, where, correct me if I'm wrong here, Jess, I believe the roadblock was to count the amount of bugs in a terrarium, and the other partner had to put their head inside said terrarium. Oh, so yes. I do enjoy these these little twists that happen sometimes where, uh, oh, you think you're out of the woods because you're not doing the roadblock? Too bad, you're putting in the stockades, like you're, you have the scarlet letter on you. Yeah,
0: I love that, Jess.
1: Yeah, I thought it was a great – it was a great visual gag and I think everybody got a lot of mileage out of it. And I was I was impressed at how many people made the exact same pun about taking stock. <laughs> yeah. And even, even Evan made this pun and it was so quick that you didn't notice it and I could tell that she was like, I'm going to get a funny line in. And then like five other people made the exact same joke and it was – happened so quickly that you never – got a chance to appreciate that they said something funny
0: the teams had to put this thing together and uh, a couple of the teams were uh, really struggling uh with this you know uh for the most part we saw team ocean rescue uh really blow through it and then followed by uh cody and Jazz, christy and jen eric and daniel and henry and evan uh they were through with team number five but it was alex and connor Trevor and Chris and Joey and Tim that had the uh, most difficulty. Mike, did any of those mistakes that were made by those three teams, Mike, uh, which was the more egregious to you?
2: what though between the wheel nuts and the uh the backwards frame <laughs> yeah i don't know i guess uh i mean considering how much connor works around cars and, uh, and around wheels i guess the wheel nuts is a little bit of a five hole there i'm assuming i can only imagine if phil was on the course what he would have to say about that
0: yeah you always want to make sure that you have your wheel nuts on straight connor
1: it was like Connor felt like he had had a really great leg. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden he's like, wait, I'm not going to be the useless one anymore. What if Phil doesn't say something really scorchingly mean to me on the mat?
0: Yeah, that'd be very depressing for Connor that this is his moment in the spotlight and he needs that attention from Phil. If he can't get positive attention, he's fine with the negative attention.
1: He'll take what he can get.
0: So once teams
1: got through with
0: building their trebuchet, just they had to go find a man who was drinking red wine in the cafe. <laughs>
1: Uh, that had to be hard to find because, you know, people are not known for drinking red wine in cafes in France. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. I like t- Team Ocean Rescue where they had to they decided to ask the man if he was enjoying his wine. And I'm assuming it's because they probably went up to so many other denizens of that restaurant and asked them, like, okay, do you have the clue? Do you have the clue? And these poor people getting their afternoons interrupted or asked by if they're enjoying their wine by people who do not look like the waitstaff of this lovely cafe.
0: The teams were needed to head down to uh, one side of the detour, which a lot of the teams seemed to struggle to find. They had to either go to find the three colored flags at the bullfighting pit or to go off to work on this painting puzzle, which actually seemed like it was pretty easy to actually do it if you could just figure out how to get the easel open, Mike.
2: Well, I mean, it's sort of like, and I just, I think alluded to this on, on Twitter, the like, they did this on Amazing Race 28, I think, uh, the, the Race like, six. the box that can only open one way. And so it's just a matter of, once you figure out what the order is, and it's a little bit of trial and error, it seems from what Team Chomp had to do. Again, as you said, once you figure out that the easel has a clasp, uh, you'd be able to get it open and not have this Van Gogh stand in muse in <laughs> French about how stupid you are. Yeah. So
0: did you think that that was an easier task than finding the flags?
1: Um, I think it was probably easier on its face. It looked like this was a lot harder to get to. Mm. Maybe it was just that nobody else tried to get to it. I think in a lot of cases when you have a detour where – everybody goes to one thing and one team attempts the other one and it goes very badly for them. I think a lot of times it's not down to how hard the task was, but maybe how easy the other task was to get to. Yeah. So I suspect that part of this was Joey and Tim getting lost. And then part of it was them just totally effing up on the puzzle and not realizing that they had to pull the top up to get the thing open. But yeah, I think most of it, was just that the arena was the much closer to where they were and the much easier to find.
2: Uh, it, it's interesting, though, because I feel like there was, and, you know, the Amazing Race is 30 seasons in, so I feel like it's warranted at this point, but I caught a little bit of, like, meta-thinking going on with some of these oh, teams. Yeah. You know, I, I think Team Wellstrong and Team Yale both switched detours while traveling. And like you said, it might have been because of the proximity, but they also said, okay, here's, you know, an arduous task in... Full of bowl, but you know, the other one just says do a puzzle. If it's another detour option, it has to be much more complicated than it is initially. So, therefore, you know, this is a task that we can sort of, as sa- said before, kind of brute force or at least try to get our way through more easily than if we only have one thing to work on. We know it's going to be much more difficult on its surface than three regular things just spread out.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It does seem like this is something that's come up um in the last few seasons it comes up more and more often when they're looking at the 2D tours they say well here's one where we know we're going to be able to knock it out eventually and here's one that we might get lucky and get it done quickly or we might be stuck there for a long time and i think you know i don't want to pat ourselves on the back here but this is something that has come up much more often on the show since rob has a podcast began covering the amazing race and that could be a coincidence or it could not be hmm.
0: Jess, I want to float a new test of your Amazing Race rules out there. So if there is a task where you have to find a number of items, do you think that there are sort of a set number of red flags, white flags, and blue flags? And do you feel like a team (laughs) that is sort of bringing up the rear, they are better off to go to the other task, assuming that they know how it's going to work because there are going to be less flags for them to find. Like it's going to be more difficult for the teams at the end to find the Easter egg that is hidden at a place like this.
1: Well, it depends Rob, because one thing I wasn't sure about, it looked to me like there were multiple ribbons in each little bull bag. Mm -hmm. Um, It didn't seem to me that it was one of those situations where there were lots of things hidden and you had to find the things. Um, like I'm thinking specifically of the season 28 when they were in the mud pit having to find the gems. Yeah. Or there mm-hmm. was a similar task on Amazing Race Canada this past season where you had a finite number of things to find. And so the chance that you would find the thing went down the more people had been to the task. And I think if that's the case, then yes, you do want to – go to the other task if it's going to be much harder for you to find the thing. But it looked to me like the each bull that had a ribbon was designated a red ribbon, white ribbon, or blue ribbon. There were lots of ribbons in the pouch because they had the explicit instruction that they could only take one ribbon out of the pouch. Okay. So we had a couple of teams get over
0: to the bullfighting arena early. It seemed like there were a couple other teams that were struggling Jess, there was a mention of you have to park in the marked parking space. I thought for sure a team was going to park someplace else and get a penalty.
1: Yeah, I think that's more that's less of a you're going to get a penalty if you don't do this exactly the way we say. And. It's more of a, this is where the task is, and they put the little flags up every time there's a task somewhere. I think park in the marked parking lot is just, they're reserving the parking space so that you don't have, like, some French guy putting his Citroën in the parking spot where you were supposed to park, and then you have to park eight blocks away.
0: Yeah. Well, I do think that the ring girls were uh, had a problem with that a couple of weeks ago.
1: Yeah, they,
2: they definitely. Of, um, they missed out on the ultimate ring of I'm, uh, I'm an arena to run around in. <laughs>
0: yeah or the ring that uh team uh beach ocean has
2: <laughs> yeah if only lucas could have coordinated an entire thing where the ring girls could have done an entire routine on the mat and then he proposed to her yeah
0: let me ask you guys this is a question from uh toby lopez on twitter did anybody else notice cody limping in the bull ring i noticed that
1: myself Jess, did you catch that does cody have some sort of an injury that he's working through I couldn't tell if that was an injury or if he just had like a leg cramp or what it was, or maybe that's just the way he runs. I don't, I don't know. Hmm. Okay.
2: Well, and I mean, I feel like it's one of those things where if the amazing race doesn't highlight it, it's kind of not a big deal. I feel like amazing race contestants always get injuries but unless they're like a a big part of why they do well or don't do well they're not if they're not really talked about on the show uh we might not need to pay them any mind but i think it's an interesting detail to point out okay
1: well mike they they say they have injuries i don't know how many racers i've talked to in my life that uh come out of the race saying oh yeah i was running on two broken legs i blew out my
0: acl at the starting gate
1: yeah, and it's like unless you're Dave O'Leary and you had to quit the race to go have surgery, I I think you gotta take a lot of that with a whole salt lick.
0: <laughs> yeah, the reality stars uh do I think tend to embellish the injuries that they played through on the show.
2: You mean they're enjoying their wine? <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. All right, uh, anything from the bullfighting flag finding or can we move on to the proposal of Team Beach Ocean?
2: I mean, this, this one seemed a little physically grueling. And I, I do say sort of uh, going back to last week's podcast, I think all three of us looking back kind of undervalued how tough that roadblock was going to be. And I'd sort of throw this one on top of it just because, I mean, imagine running up and down the stairs of a, of an arena, a stadium over and over and over again, trying to find these little tiny stuffed bowls that had uh, ribbons in them. So while this definitely was the better option, uh, of the two, at least you know at first glance, uh, it definitely was not an easy task. It hey, seems,
0: Mike. I know full well that uh, the best way to train for a race around the world is to go to stadiums and run up and down the stairs. That I have on good authority. <laughs> that is the way that you do that, brother.
2: And then you, and then you immediately go. Uh, then you go sailing, right? And <laughs> yes. then you, go, you get hit in the face, you and go, then you wake up in you a bunker, get in
0: petite dinghy, yeah. <laughs>
2: Not Petty's Petite Dinghy. <laughs> That's how this all works.
0: <laughs> so, Team Ocean Rescue, uh, they're in first place. They're having the leg of their dreams, and they make it to the pit stop of this leg first. And Jess, it really felt like Phil really wanted this to happen.
1: Yeah, it it seemed like maybe Phil understood it was sort of a lackluster leg without <laughs> it, but... I think they also had been pushing them in confessionals. You heard Lucas say a couple of times, I'm just waiting for the right moment. This is going to happen. And what better time to happen than when you've just won your honeymoon, right?
0: I guess so. Just, do you have rules on when it is the right time for a team to get engaged on The Amazing Race?
1: I don't have rules for that because I feel like it's a little bit showy. But on the other hand, I would have a hard time not doing it if the opportunity came up. Like I think it just feels right, and you know the production loves you. Got to come in first, you though. No, I think coming in first is an optimal time.
2: Yeah, we have seen it at other times. You know, it's happened a few times when teams were eliminated. It happened mm. once with Matt and Ashley. Well, at I at think point, when they came when, in. When, like, when are you going to
0: do it? I mean, I don't think they want they planned
2: yeah. it that way. <laughs> But Matt and Ashley like came in like sixth place on leg three, and then Matt decided to do it right there. Right, (laughs) that's when he was like really uh, he had his own headphones moment where he like realized he left behind the fanny pack. But what I want to know is, do we think of the five prizes that have been given out so far, this was the best one to propose on? Because I mean. Come on, Swiss mini golf. I feel like that's that's the way to pop the question. Yeah,
0: I mean, who wouldn't want to propose after this?
2: You have won a trip for two from Travelocity and you are going to Zurich, Switzerland.
0: Oh, (laughs) you're going to spend five nights in a deluxe room at the Dalger Grand, including breakfast daily, a massage for two at the Grand Spa and an afternoon of mini golf. I hope you guys like (laughs) mini golf. Sorry, Phil, did you say mini golf?
2: hold up phil i've got my own hole in one to putt here if you just give me a second
1: second prize is two afternoons of mini golf all right
0: so this proposal really i mean look of course beautiful moment congratulations to lucas and Brittany. but they really they lost me on the going to the commercial break on oh is he gonna pop the question or not and then
1: no they lost me before that They lost me on the meaningful close up of Of Lucas's pocket pocket with his hand in his pocket. He's like, I've got something for you. I'm like, okay, you got to cut to commercial on that.
0: Well, then how awkward was it when the other team started showing up where, you know, it looks like okay, they're alone on the mat with Phil. He's going to say it and like, oh, wait, hold on. Christy and Jen are here. Christy and Jen, get in here. Get in here. We're about to hear Lucas is going to say something now. So let's get in here. Let's check you guys in. (laughs) And then we're like midway through the proposal. And then it's like, oh, wait, hold on. We got another team. Eric and Daniel are here. Hold on. Get in here, guys. All right. You're going to want to hear this. You're going to to like gather around. It was like a buzzkill every time one of these other teams showed up. (laughs)
2: My favorite part, though, was not that part, but the aftermath. Where after she says yes, it seemed like Phil like held them hostage and made them stay on the mat. And it's like, okay, Henry and Henry Evan, and you're team Evan, number get four. Get here!
0: You gotta see this! You gotta see this! Come <laughs> you're here!
2: The, like your team number four. But he's—I think he literally said,
0: "But more, more importantly, importantly <laughs> more importantly, check this out. Check out this rock that uh, Lucas just gave Brittany." Oh, oh, he, wait! Here's Connor and Alex. Get it, guys, guys, guys! You won't believe guys, this! You gotta
1: see this because you Connor, you're gonna die
0: alone. <laughs> yeah. Connor, no one could ever
2: love you. Uh, isn't that right, Connor?
0: <laughs> Sleeping on a couch like a total loser?
2: Con- Connor, Vincent Van Gogh cut off his ear to impress his girlfriend. I feel like you're down that path, buddy, if you don't get a ring anytime soon. Connor,
0: take note. <laughs> take note on all of this. And only, if only, we- Jess and Cody could have gotten to the mat and uh, have been in there on at that moment. I-, I feel like that Jess would have uh, not been impressed.
2: And Cody would have responded just the way he did to this sixth uh, place. Cody, just Cody go, what okay. do you think of this? <laughs> okay. Stupid. <laughs>
1: <laughs> or I, I think they might have tried to engineer like something to steal the spotlight away.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey
2: guys, Cody has, Cody's leg is hurt. No, or <laughs> no, or Brenny would have said, "Oh no, Jessica stole my ring." She said she'd hold on <laughs> to it, and she left it behind. <laughs>
0: okay uh so we then had everything set up for a race to the finish uh who was going to get there first were joey and tim going to figure out the painting or were trevor and chris going to get their flags and get to the finish line just were you doubting that it was going to be joey and tim coming in last place
1: i mean the show did its best to try to inject some suspense into this but i was really not feeling it it seemed to me like the writing was on the wall once joey and tim were the only people got to the puzzle and kept effing up on the puzzle repeatedly it really didn't feel close at all
0: no not too close uh so ultimately trevor and chris are going to check in joey and tim get to the mat and uh this was you know uh (laughs) phil put it you know it's a tough pill to swallow no Uh,
2: no it's it's all right right. all right
0: (laughs) Mike, is this the first time Phil has ever given us a too soon?
2: <laughs> what I loved about this moment, though, is that you get this sort of emotional music. As I mentioned before, they're... Pretty depressed about it all. Whereas I feel like Cedric and Sean might have been a little more resigned to things. Maybe they realized, as Jess said, that this race wasn't really for them. They, they did legitimately feel like they had more to do. It's a pretty somber moment. And then when Phil comes in with this stuff, like the derpy, you know, Carmen-esque music comes on, like, oh, like a, it's like a, a sitcom ending of, oh, everything's going to be good. Fine for Team Chomp at the end.
0: Yeah. Jess was the amazing race for Team Chomp. Did they bite off more than they, they could chew?
1: Yeah, it seemed like it was a little bit too much for them to digest. Um, although I, I really am a little disappointed in Phil because he spent all that time coming up with all those great basketball terms. Mm-hmm. And then when it came down to being able to deliver a really scathing pun in the final moments for Joey and Tim, he had a bitter pill to swallow. That was it. That was the best he could do. <laughs> I mean, I bet, I bet right now Mike Bloom could come up with 10 things that are better than that.
2: All right, go. Uh, 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 your race was a mouthful. I don't know. That doesn't work. Uh, I bet you're uh, feeling really salty about that in reference to Joey's sweat. Uh, let's see. Um, uh, For the record, neither of
0: these things were better than what Phil <laughs>
2: but i'm put to the challenge i can't this is a a five-hole task for me and i'm ruining it but i also i also like in this moment how uh they sort of excuse phil for like no it's it's okay that's fine i guess i guess
0: he said yeah all right sad news for joey chestnut and uh tim does joey chestnut have a twitter following
1: i would imagine that most celebrities do
0: yeah Okay, so uh, Joey Chestnut. I think this is an interesting game. Uh, let's let's play. How he's many? Even he's not even
1: he just even, not even verified. <laughs>
0: gonna, well, hold on. Gonna... All right, Mike Bloom. How many Twitter followers does world champion competitive eater Joey Chestnut have? Okay, got to figure. He's... Probably a big fan base. Competitive eater.
2: Mm-hmm. It's got. I mean, it's got to be at least. Uh, I want to say at least ten thousand, mm-hmm. maybe even twenty thousand. You know what? 72 uh, is his lucky number, right? He had 72 hot dogs this past year. I'll just highball it and say 72,000.
0: 72,000 and uh,
2: you uh, way highballed that, Mike. Oh, boy. Much like their chances in the competition, I very much overestimated 23200
0: for Joey Chestnut.
1: And it okay. appears that they had I mean, a viewing a su- party at a Hooters. Oh, okay. So that makes sense.
2: Uh oh god they probably ate them out of the kitchen. Yes. Uh 17
0: followers uh that I share with uh, Joey Chestnut according to uh twitter.com. One of them is a former Big Brother cast member, Mike Bloom for $10. Can you name that
2: Big Brother contestant? Can you name can you give me a hint and give me the season?
0: Mm, I think I might uh, give it away. Uh, Okay. Uh, This is, you're down to $2 now. I will tell you the season is Big Brother 13.
2: Oh, boy. Uh, Is
0: is it Big Jeff? No. No, it is not. I'm sorry to say. Sorry. Uh, It is not (laughs) former Amazing Race contestant uh, Big Jeff. It was uh, Adam Pock.
2: Oh, God. He loves those (laughs) hot dog eating contests. The wing eating contests. Maybe he was there at Hooters. I love Joey
0: Chestnut. (laughs) okay all right let's get into some of our questions from our listeners uh this is uh right on the heels of uh this two-hour episode uh let's hear what some of the listeners had to say uh this is from mac on twitter i have an important question who is your favorite team that's left and why is it team well strong jess
1: they're adorable they're very funny they're snarky I want them to be my favorite team, but we're just not seeing enough of them. I'm not getting they're any there. There, yeah, and they're, they're fine, but eh, they are. Yeah, <laughs> sure, they're they're great. I just think I need more of them in order for them to really like cement their place in my heart. Yes, although they are Mike Bloom's mm-hmm. favorite team,
2: I, I I like them. I like them. I just want to speak up for them because I feel like they were they've been unaccounted for on the past few recaps. But now that we're starting to see more of them, and I feel like You know, if they continue to make it through the race, it gets to a point where as the teams winnow down, we inevitably see more of them. Uh, Let's even look to Lolo last season, where at (laughs) this point we have seen much more of Team Wellstrung than we did Lolo at this point in the race. Yeah.
1: Or throughout the entire race. Mm -hmm. All right.
0: Jess, uh, this is a question from Matt C on Twitter. Who makes worse puns, Rob or the firefighters?
1: Um, It seems like. You have a lot in common with the firefighters, Rob. <laughs>
2: what? Shirts and jokes? Shirts and yeah, jokes. Yeah, Rob, aren't there two of you on the race? Yeah, I think so.
1: <laughs> I mean, they're wearing plaid. Isn't everybody the worst plaid, Rob?
0: Yeah. But just what do you think of, was it Daniel that he left for the Amazing Race the day after his wife had the baby? It's like, uh, no pressure, uh, wifey, but I am leaving for the Amazing Race tomorrow. <laughs> Can we get
1: the, that baby today? Yeah, I mean... At that point, I think you got to induce.
0: They scheduled it.
1: I honestly don't know, but uh, I he better bring home some money because if I was if if my husband was going on the Amazing Race and I was had just given birth, right? He better be bringing back a lot of money, or I'm going to be pretty upset.
2: <laughs> right. Well, honey, I didn't I didn't win the money, but I brought you a bunch of great stock puns that I'm sure you're going to love. <laughs> I'm a really good dad because I can make
0: dad jokes. Yes, I did come in sixth. So I'm back. Hope that wasn't too harrowing that first month with the newborn.
2: Let me tell you about the time I went to Belgium.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, Preston Coleman wants to ask: When most teens are picking one detour over another, does that mean that one is easier than the other, or that the just that the cast is particularly savvy in following advice heard weekly on the RJP Amazing Race <laughs> recap? Uh, Jess, uh, that I think we know where you're coming down on this.
1: Yeah, I well I think. The teams kind of looked at the two tasks and weighed the pros and cons and realized one of them had a lot more pros in the column. But I think sometimes, and I think it's rarer nowadays, it was far more common, I think, in the earlier seasons, you could take a gamble and take that Detour that nobody else is taking. And sometimes it ends up being the far easier choice, and you can jump ahead quite a bit. I think the last time we really saw that happen was in season 21. Mm -hmm. There was a task where Ryan and Abby were way behind. They take the other detour because they figure, hey, we're out anyway. And then they end up jumping all the way back up into the middle of the pack. And I think you always think maybe that's a thing that could happen to you. But then if you really look at the tasks and you weigh your pros and cons, it's almost always better to just take the one that everybody else is doing.
0: Mike, this is a question from Kate Cupcakes. How do you feel about switchback challenges on the race? Is it lazy or a nice throwback for the Amazing Race fans?
2: I personally like it. uh, You know, as a deep-seated fan, I'm, I'm always happy when shows acknowledge their past. I think the switchback is a fun opportunity. For those of you that don't know uh, or didn't recognize it, next time I believe we're going to the Czech Republic and they're doing a switchback to a very memorable task that in another uh, pair of basketball players, the Globetrotters, on their first time out in Season 15, where they had to uh, answer a bunch of phones and uh, I believe they had to spell out Franz. Uh, they each got a letter, to, as in Franz Kafka, and the Globetrotters got so you know rung up they got off the hook uh with with all the confusion of the phones that they actually quit the roadblock and (laughs) basically like yeah yeah and basically eliminated themselves in fourth place right before the the second to last leg in amazing race 15
0: yeah jess that's what kate cupcake says Uh, next week they're doing the phone challenge that took down big easy i'm excited about it
1: yeah i mean that was a That was a challenge that really shouldn't have been as epic as it was. It was just like Big Easy getting so up in his head about it. Um, I think at the time I did the math and there's only 125 possible guesses that you could have made. And he made way more than that over the course of the however many hours he was there.
0: Yeah. Seems like that Kate Cupcakes likes trolling Flight Time and Big Easy as much as you do, Jess.
1: Yeah. Who who doesn't love that?
2: (laughs) She must be a Generals fan.
1: Just like me.
0: Mike,
2: tell
1: me if you caught this. The Woj says,
0: did you notice that Tim also has a chip on his tooth? Should he have gotten a cap as well? Or can production only afford one dental appointment? Now, that was a pretty quick turnaround that they ended up getting a uh, dent. Do they have an onset dentist for Evan?
2: Yeah. What do you think Johnny Max? for? <laughs> <laughs> He's still on CBS contract, right? What? <laughs> uh, uh, okay. Uh, you sure. I'll go to France. Uh, uh. <laughs> hey, Justin Cody.
0: Hey, you remember me? <laughs>
2: <laughs> I know, right? No, I just, I know. You just see Johnny Mac on hey, season thirty-one.
0: Babe, Johnny Mac, babe, babe. <laughs> oh? What? Oh, okay. Uh, I never liked him. <laughs>
2: Now I, I would I would love to. I, now I just want to see Johnny. Ma- I want to see a bonus video of Johnny Matt, like, whoa, you guys are really tall
0: <laughs> with Cedric and Sean.
2: Yeah, oh, I need a step ladder, to get up to you guys. Could we have
1: him call the plays on the on the head to heads <laughs> Yeah.
0: Be... Oh, oh, that that ball is uh re- really far from that one.
2: Well, oh, it looks like uh they're they're right on the jack. Uh, yeah. Uh. <laughs>
0: Uh, uh Congratulations on your proposal.
2: <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm ready to put a petition to make Johnny Mac the host of the amazing race moving forward.
0: <laughs> yeah. Who knows, man. Maybe he'll be back for Celebrity Big Brother. Uh Really, a lot of publicity tonight, Mike, for two weeks from
2: tonight. Yeah, no makeup, no pub- no makeup, no publicist, no problem. What was their like Survivor esque slogan they had going on there?
1: <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure they're gonna let him have makeup. Okay. <laughs> But
2: to answer your question, I I did not notice it. But considering Tim's line of work, he might have just bitten into a baguette the wrong way and chipped his (laughs) tooth. I don't think it had had anything to do with the sale, especially since Joey was the one operating that.
0: And then we got a question from one of our listeners. Uh, Cass McEwen wanted to know, how did Cody and Jess become the new Jordan and Jeff slash Robin Amber? I mean, this one seems pretty straightforward to answer, Jess.
1: Yeah, I mean you fall in love on a reality show you're probably going to get another reality show that's just the circle of life
0: yeah we need to keep the story going and we need to figure out what sort of artificial game constructs can we just have you
2: do next mike candy crush i see you <laughs> sugar crush Ooh, johnny mac's back <laughs> oh, sugar crush <laughs> oh that's a good way to get cavities
0: mario lopez <laughs>
2: <laughs> Shoot, actually I, I like this instead of have mario lopez host but the eliminated teams have to go to the dentist corner where johnny max there with like a big drill
0: uh, be careful in those petite dingies. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh so i responded to Cass, and i said are you on celebrity big brother and she said she's too famous for that all right yeah so don't look for Cass on celebrity big brother
1: that's disappointing
0: It was disappointing. All right. So uh, lots of fun tonight in terms of our two-hour Amazing Race. Uh, Jess, are we at the halfway point now of the Amazing Race, or are we just shy for the halfway point of Amazing Race 30?
1: We're just shy. Uh, We got 12 legs, and we have just wrapped leg five. So we got seven to go.
0: So just to talk this through, so is our ongoing schedule we're back for a one hour episode next week at from eight to nine Mm -hmm. and then we are going to have three two-hour episodes in a row in february Do, do i
1: have that right jess that's what it looks like i mean i could be wrong i don't have it right out in front of me but that's what it seems like they're doing does that sound right to you mike
2: Yep, we're going to get, you know, we were able to gorge ourselves tonight, but now we can sort of settle back in. We're not Joey and Tim, so we can we can, you know, wait for a little bit to digest. We'll only get an hour next week and then we are going for 2-hour blocks from 9 to 11, uh 7 and 8, 9 and 10, 11 and 12. So if anything, this was a preview for what these 2-hour Amazing Grace podcasts are going to be like. If that's an indication, we are in for a lot of fun. Okay.
0: And then just a programming note. So we will be back again next Wednesday night to do our recap. You'll have that on Thursday morning. And then once we get to the two hour blocks in February, we're going to have celebrity big brother coverage going on. It's getting late by 11 o'clock Eastern to uh, recap these episodes on Wednesday night. We will get to those recaps and our exit interviews for you guys on thursdays coming up in february so uh just a uh scheduling notice on that of course uh amazing race exit interviews are on the way i will speak in the morning to both cedric and sean and then i will also speak with joey and tim that's going to be the bread in a uh, dr mike sandwich that i am having uh in the morning and be up very early podcasting with uh, Dr. Mike, I will do half of my interview with Dr. Mike, then take a call from Cedric and Sean and then uh short break, then Joey and Tim and then Dr. Mike. So uh, that's that's what my Thursday morning is looking like.
2: Well, Dr. Mike, I'm sure, advocates for taking breaks in between strenuous, strenuous activity of any kind. So I think it's it's par for the course here.
0: Yes, I'm sure he uh, probably would have uh, many questions for both teams uh, and uh, we'll save those for another time. All right. Of course, uh, you could follow uh, Jess and Mike on Twitter, respectively, who are uh, just behind Joey Chestnut in terms of followers. Uh, Jess is at Haymaker Hattie on twitter and uh jess and i had such a great time on monday night recapping the latest episode of star trek discovery
1: it was a a real fun one it was a it was a little bit shorter than this episode of the amazing race that we just covered yeah but we didn't mention it. a lot of fun it was
0: i think the shortest episode of discovery that there's been it was like uh like 39 minutes
1: what yeah 39 yeah. minutes the stupid short yeah that was fine i didn't complain i mean they packed enough into it that i didn't feel cheated but I would have liked more.
0: Yeah. Okay. Of course, Mike Bloom is uh, a competitive uh, podcaster in terms of the amount of shows that he's doing. Uh, Mike, what do you have going on this week?
2: Yeah, I guess maybe if I'm a, if I'm a a binge podcaster, maybe I should be like I don't know stretching my vocal cords or something. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't talk about this last week, but uh the Dom and Colin podcast have been doing like a Big Brother Seven retrospective. I got to come onto there a couple weeks ago and talk about the last couple weeks of Big Brother Seven, the end game. It was a lot of fun to really revisit that season and all the the chill Town and the Janelle and the Erica of it all. Of course, at the time of recording this, uh, tomorrow night, Thursday night is the premiere of RuPaul's Drag Race All Star and with it comes our recap on reality tv or hap ups myself leona boris and brett Wolgamot will be covering that and if you're interested in the hamster factor which is the movie podcast that aj mass and i do uh, i recently watched can't hardly wait oh i love that uh, movie as, yes a seminal uh late 90s teen flick where literally everything you could point to someone and say like oh that's Oh, they started off doing this. Uh, So it was a lot of fun to see them in like the the young stages of their careers in a heck of a teen comedy film. So if you're a fan of the movie, be sure to check that out and hear our thoughts on it. Yeah. Okay.
0: I will check that out. I love that movie. Great. Great job, uh, Mike. And great job, Jess. we have a hashtag tonight?
2: I think not Penny's uh,
1: petite dinghy is too long. (laughs) It's fantastic.
0: Okay. All right. We'll go with that. I hope you guys enjoyed the show. We will be uh, back next week with more Amazing Race coverage. Be sure to look out for those exit interviews as well and my interview with Dr. Mike coming on Friday. Take care, everybody. Have a good one. Bye.